This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 359 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Endurance appies and gratefulness. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are EchoSketch and EasySignsOnline.com. This week, we meet blogger and author Anna Blake on her new book and an article she wrote about being grateful for the things you don't like. Plus, we have an endurance rider who will be doing tennis for the first time on an Appaloosa of all things. And I will add a new segment called Kickstarter of the Week. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. We'll bring you the news through hail or hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop This is Glenda Geek And this is Helena B And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show On the Horse Radio Network Well howdy Helena Howdy Glenn it's good to have you back on the show here, and <laughs> oh, you didn't go anywhere, did you? Why did I say that? I have no idea why I said that. I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm always going someplace in my own mind, <laughs> and I do sometimes need to be coaxed back to reality. Oh, and you were dealing with one of your wounded wings earlier today. Yes. Uh, you're gone again. I learned so much through injury. Let me tell you. My, my old horse, Zeke, who's since passed, and I have a lot in common he had a busted uh, elbow. He had some bad hawks, and his elbow was all busted up. And I have a similar problem with my wrist. I broke my wrist last fall, and it's been giving me some trouble uh, lately. So I had to go have some diagnostics done. Wasn't I learned that the a lot second when time you're in those you big had, machines. Wasn't that the second time you had broken it, too? You had the bro- first time, yes. Yeah. Um, I, the first time I broke it was uh, about 13, 14 years ago. Um, and I had surgery to repair it. So I have a titanium screw keeping things together in there. So they're trying to figure out why you're still having pain after all this time? Um, no. Well, I, I, um, I had no problems for the last 12 years. With the no, I meant since, since this, you just did it last year again. Yeah. yeah. Since I did it in September, I have, apparently I have some nerve damage. And possibly, I had an MRI today, possibly they think that, Joint fluid is leaking out of the joint capsule. Oh, yeah. yeah, and making a cyst. And, you know, that happens to our horses sometimes. Um, if you ever had a horse with a bog spavin, that's what happens. So, see, if it wasn't for horses, I would be completely in, in the dark about my own <laughs> injuries. You do learn a hell of a lot about anatomy when you, get, when you have horses. So, are you we lame a, like the horse would be with this one? I'm lame. Um, I'm gonna. Can I complain a little bit? Can yeah, I? Yeah, sure. A little what the bit? heck? Why not? We're horse people. So I'm. We we complain about our injuries. It's what we do. <laughs> so I'm ambidextrous, right? I I'm right hand or right arm dominant. So I play all my sports with my right arm. My right side is stronger. I kick with my right leg. All that stuff. I play golf right handed, um, but I write with a pen or pencil with my left hand. So my fine motor skills are left handed. Um, 
So when I fell in the fall and broke my right wrist, you can imagine how difficult it is to do barn chores when, when your dominant hand is busted. Mocking stalls doesn't work. Picking up a bag of feed is, a oh my God, moving shavings around. It's just, it's really hard without one of your, you know, your little paws. Well, <laughs> only I could also have, so that leaves me with my left hand. I happened to also break the the outermost joint of the middle finger of my left hand. <laughs> uh-huh. So that, so my left hand, I, so I only have four fingers to use on my left hand because that joint still hurts. <laughs> and then my left knee, of course, has been surgically repaired because I blew that ACL out. Yes, another horse they, incident. Regular or long-term listeners, no, they lived through that with you. <laughs> they lived through that with me. So I really only have one fully functioning limb, my right leg. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, now wait, now wait. We say be, that that we're is... We're putting you in the rocking chair at the, at the old folks' home when you're about 50. No, no, no. Just strap me to the back of a horse. Just strap me down. Now, I'm not complaining. There are people who have bona fide disabilities that are far worse than what I have. So I'm not at all comparing my disabilities to theirs. I just want to whine a little bit. Because... You know, you got to whine. I mean, but you're not living through theirs. You're living through yours. So uh, that's that's, that's the true. Yeah. Your emotions about whatever it is, whatever your challenges are, the emotional impact is exactly the same. Right. Exactly. Because you're, you're, you're the one living through it. Yeah. Well, I hope they find whatever it is on the MRI. And when are they going to get back to you? A week or so. You know what? I'm not. You learn to work around it. it. It's you learn to compensate. You learn to live with pain. You learn to live with a busted wing. You just you do what you gotta do. It doesn't really change life at the end of the day. I had uh, really hurt my nerve. Though you, you know your funny bone, the nerve that goes through your funny bone when you whack your funny bone, you're actually hitting a nerve, not a bone. That's the one that they they I went to see the neurologist about. Well, and I had really injured that last year. So anytime I moved my left arm, it just uh, it shot pain all the way through my body. Mm. It's like if you would, you know, if you'd whack your funny bone. And that's the sensation I got whenever I picked anything up or did anything with that arm. So I learned to clean the paddocks and the stalls with one, with, using my Equitim uh, Flex and Fork with one arm. So I could do it. Uh, now I can still clean, I can clean the, all the fields and everything, and clean the stalls and everything with one, with one arm. Wow. I, just, I learned how to just wedge it under there just right that I could scoop and do everything I needed to do with that hand. So I'm pretty good at one-handed stall cleaning now. I got, you tuck the little, you tuck the little fork thing like under, in the crook of your arm, yep, you wrap right. your arm around that's it. Right. <laughs> that's right. You do the little arm wrap. I got that. Yeah. 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 And you, you, and you need a, uh, you don't want a really tall wheelbarrow. You want a shorter wheelbarrow. I know. A, that's the hard thing. And I, do you have the wheelbarrow with one wheel or two? One. Oh, you know what? We tried the two. I could, I was dangerous with the two. Because you rock it from side to side uh, and you hit yourself in the table Exactly. With the handle, that's exactly right? right. I thought that was useless. So I, we went back to one because I couldn't handle doing the two-wheel two wheel I thing. I have, at, at any given time, I have on my body, on my upper arms, a, a black and blue on each one, or my temple. One time, <laughs> one time I hit myself in the lip. Okay, that's really trying hard. <laughs> well, it's so heavy and I'm only 5'2", so you're like... And then, of course, my arm is busted up, so you you're not as careful, or you rather you can't control the motion of the wheelbarrow as well as if you were fully intact. 
You know what happens down here because we are sand, so the sand's always shifting, and we always have little holes in the ground, right? Yeah. So you're driving the wheelbarrow through the grass, and it's yeah. full, and you hit a, one of those holes, and it stops dead, and you whack your shin <laughs> yes. on the thing that I have. I actually have marks. I have scars on both of my shins at that that metal thing height because yep. I've whacked my shins on it so many times. I'm like, don't they make a wheelbarrow without the shin guard? Oh, metal thing height. That's right. I do too. I just went to a wedding last weekend. And I had to wear a maxi dress because of the huge, like, you know, wife beater bruise that was yeah, on my shin. I know, I know. If they looked at our legs, they would think we were being beaten. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's wrong. The trials should... and tribulations of horse people. I want to get a t-shirt. I'm, I seriously am going to make a line of t-shirts that, like, that are explanations for the way I look when I go out in public. <laughs> you know what I want? I want a wheelbarrow with a bigger freaking wheel on the front. Just make it with a bigger, fatter, taller wheel so that it won't get stuck in the little holes. That's all I want, and I cannot find one. So That's if anybody knows of one, idea. if anybody knows of one with a bigger wheel on the front, let me know because I really want one. I'll pay for it. I don't care. I just want the bigger wheel on the front. They always make these little wheels that get stuck in holes. <sighs> okay, I'm done now, too. Let's go on with the show. Okay. Laura, or, or actually Anna Blake is our first guest today. She's going to straighten us out. She really okay. will, I think. Yeah, she's, I think yeah. she knows what she's talking about. Yeah, she's going to straighten us out. So, oh, and it's interesting. It's being grateful for the things you don't like is what we're talking about with Anna Blake. Perfect. After this Perfect. conversation. I'm, see, I'm grateful for my farm no matter how it beats me down. <laughs> Let's talk to Anna Blake of AnnaBlakeBlog.com. Well, we want to welcome Anna Blake to the show. Hi, Anna. Hi, it's good to be here. Good to have you. I don't know how I found you. I think I was reading, I think it was a Facebook post. Somebody reposted an article that you did a while back, like last Thanksgiving time. And I thought, well, we're going to get you on and talk about this. You have AnnaBlakeBlog.com, and you're also an author. Let's talk about being an author first. Yeah, I didn't realize this until I was doing show prep today that you have a book coming out next week. I do. It's a memoir of moving to my farm, which I moved here 15 years ago from a successful urban career with boarded horses and um it's a great story about what animals give us in our lives. And I assume it includes some of the trials and tribulations that nobody thinks about when they move out to their farm for the first time. Well, exactly. But I grew up on a farm. Oh, okay. And so it kind of compares the farm I grew up on to the farm I have now. And, um, and there is, this will come as a big shock to you, I know. There's a horse that was really influential in my life, and he's 29 years old. He's standing outside my window, and it's a story about him. Wow. Now, have you always been a writer, or did this just sort of pop up? Did it fall out? In one of those crazy <laughs> yeah. explosions of loveliness. <laughs> no, I, I have always written off and on. I started my blog five years ago. Um, and, you know, I've been a diligent blogger for years, but I actually make my living training horses. So, you know, it's uh, it's something I do before chores in the morning is when I write. It is interesting that we've talked to a ton of authors on the show uh, about the different times that they write and, and under what circumstances. And almost every one of them is different, aren't they, Helena? It's, it's all, they're all, some write it late at night. Some, some don't write in a house at all. They write somewhere else. You know, it's just so different. Well, and, you know, I really wonder how other people form their thoughts, those poor people who don't have barns to muck out. 
because <laughs> when I'm mucking is, you know, I mean, I write it down when I get in the house, but mucking is an inspirational period of time. I don't know how, you know, just normal people think. <laughs> That's when I get struck with the most, I, I would say, um, observations, self-observations or epiphanies is when I'm mucking, but I take the collection of those epiphanies because you have them pretty much every day because you're mucking every day and they seem to consolidate at like five thirty, six o'clock in the morning. And that's when I do my most free writing is what I'll call it. When I don't, when there's no effort, it just comes free. Yeah. But I find yeah. that it's this consolidation of things that I experience while I'm doing my barn chores. I And like you, I agree. I don't see how the two could exist without one another. Yeah, I don't know how other uh, people who do not have the gift of being able to muck every single day, how they form their thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's a, you know, a special time. I would hate to ever give it up. As a horse husband, I'm just not going to comment. So we're going to go on. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Which really means he doesn't do stall. I don't form any thoughts when I'm mucking. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I do clean the barn. You can ask Jennifer. I do. But we only have two stalls. So there's not many thoughts I can get done in five minutes. Uh, yeah. 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 Now, we I used have to two have stalls and I that takes me a nice long time. <laughs> oh, see, that's the difference between the horse husband cleaning it and the horse girl cleaning it. See, that's well, the, exactly. Yeah, and, that's... you know, I keep a curry comb on my muck cart just in case I want to dawdle. <laughs> there you go. Mm, that's a good idea. <laughs> there you go. Well, you wrote an article. By the way, the book is called Stable Relation uh, by Anna Blake, B-L-A-K-E. Where is it going to be for sale? And I know it comes out July 13th. Yeah, it's on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and everywhere. Okay, and, and who's, you know, your, who's your uh, publisher? My publisher is Prairie Moon Press. It's a publisher you've never heard of before because it's me. <laughs> Good. Well, self-published. I like that. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, you know, it's very hard to get memoirs published. And actually, a publisher suggested I publish it, which, I, you know, I decided to take her advice as a professional. And so, yeah, um, I'm, I'm riding a strange horse into an unknown territory. Well, we'll uh, we'll post a link. Let's hope you don't get bucked off, okay? Uh, yeah, me too, yeah. <laughs> we'll post the link uh, to it in our our show notes as well, and I'll put a link up on Facebook to the book on, great. On, on Amazon. Now, we, I found you because an article you wrote called Being Grateful for Things You Don't Like. And boy, this one hit home. And I want to read one paragraph that I think kind of sums up the article, and then I want you to talk about it. This paragraph says there's a tiny moment. It, it's wedged right between the point where everything is going well and you love your ride, and that point where you, both you and your horse start to come apart. That tiny moment is when we stop listening and start ordering, and when a confused or frightened horse gets told that he's wrong. Understanding gets sacrificed for external appearances. We become bullies, jerking and kicking, or just holding on for dear life. We become part of the problem. And I can tell you, I'm a driver, not a rider, that when you're driving horses— well, anytime you're working with horses, you have this point. And, and, and mine is a hackney pony. He has that pony mentality. So he <laughs> tests this point with me on a regular basis. So this, tr this article really hit home. Tell us about the rest of the article and what your point was. Um, you know, it's a, it's a changing perception as we grow to be better with horses. And in the beginning of this article, I talk about my first mentor, and the woman was just a genius. And every time a horse came apart, started to come apart, 
if you were close, you could hear her say, oh, goody, goody. And I just thought she was nuts. And I happen to be a type A personality. You know, a lot of us are attracted to horses. And all these years later, I like to think of myself as a recovering type A, because the more we try to control them, the worse it goes. The more we listen, get fluid, um, and not get mad, the better it goes. And, you know, there's this split second that if you manage to just take a breath and say, you know, I'm not going to pick a fight about this. Um, it's just amazing how well things can turn around. Um, one of the things about horses that I just love, it sounds like bad news, but wait for the good news. Um, horses have seven times quicker response time than humans do. And so if you look at that statistic, you know, we're just all, you know, we don't have a chance. They're so much quicker than we are. But on the other hand, they have a seven times faster response time. And should we not panic? Should we take a breath and relax? They'll actually pick up that cue seven times quicker, too. And so, you know, a big part of, I think, getting better with horses is getting unstuck about right and wrong, what you want the horse to do. And, um, you know, to just kind of start communicating in the moment, which is, of course, something humans are pretty bad at. But it's the only place we can, you know, we can talk about. So if we can be less reactive and more responsive, then we'll cue our horses to do the same. And that's a happier situation. So few people, I'm sorry, even people who have been working with horses for years and years and years have that very simplistic perspective. And I think what really brings it home to you is the fact that you're comparing, um, I don't say human flaws, but uh, the, the nature, human nature, really. human nature. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Human nature. And, um, you know, we think we sort of forget that our human nature doesn't jive with everything. You know, we well, even us type A sensitive empathetic and em, empathic people um you know we still we forget that you you know we're up there we're on board or even if we're on foot training we're doing some groundwork we forget that um we the world doesn't revolve around us and our horses well, opinions and ideas don't revolve around us i totally agree and we constantly in the horse training world in the horse world in general we always talk about what horse temperament is like, that they're prey animals. You know, we've all heard these things a million times, but the thing we don't talk about is what humans are like. And uh, we are reactive and we're bipeds. We use our hands more than our, we should because it's how we relate to the world. And we have a tendency to, you know, get emotionally involved in things that aren't personal. <laughs> You know, and that's one of those epiphanies I had in the barn the other day. We take everything so personally and think about how egotistical that is. You know, some people are like, oh, I'm just sensitive or I'm really connected to people or, you know. Um, but really what it is, is it's an, it's an overblown ego. We take the littlest things quite personally. I'm guilty of it myself. I'm riding my horse. He's, you know, had a couple of weeks off. I get on there and I'm like, oh, crap, I should have put spurs on, you know, and he's just really bulging into the circle and he's being a little bit of a doofus. And I'm thinking, you know, what? 
I'm just going to get up on this horse and expect him to do exactly what I want him to do every single time. And when he doesn't, I'm going to layer some kind of judgment on his personality as if he was some kind of human. Duh. Well, but you know what? You know what, Helena? You're making a good point right there. And we could take horses out of this equation, animals out of this equation at all. What you were talking about, that tiny moment between going from good to bad, happens in relationships with your wife or your spouse or your brother or your father or your mother every day, many times a day. It sure does. Doesn't it? I mean, it's the same thing, right? Right, Anna? It's the total same thing. I, You know, there are people who follow my blog who don't have horses. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and it, I mean, it is the same thing. And I think... You know, at the risk of sounding like one of those people who doesn't get along with people, the truth is I really do like horses. And I, it's easier for me to learn things from a horse than it is a person. And you can bet then I take it into my personal life and, and things improve. You know, I mean, I think for us as humans to learn to listen and be compassionate and not think we have the right to order the world around you know, it's our instinct to do that. It's natural. It doesn't make anybody wrong. It just makes us hard to live with. <laughs> Helena, that goes entirely against your whole Italian heritage. I know. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, we, call it, uh, we call it family karma, that you are born into these circumstances. There, there's this whole set of principles and, and philosophies that I subscribe to, and one of them is that... Um, we're born into this, these norms, and some of the norms are set by society, some by culture, but many of them are set by family. And <clears throat> you don't even know that they're norms. You don't even, that, that's just, you think this is who I am. And really it's not. It's, it's just a set of principles that you were born into, and you can cast them aside just as easily as you can throw out anything um, and, and start from scratch. But it first takes yeah, but that's hard. It is hard. It's extremely hard, which is why 99% of the human population doesn't do it. But I think um, horse people have an opportunity to do it because our horses are, I mean, I know it's trite. We hear it everywhere, but horses are a reflection of what we do up there and up there, down there, whatever. They are mirrors to us. And, you know, when our horse is doing something we don't want them to do, the first question we should ask is, what am I doing to elicit this response? Not and and how can I get him to volunteer? You know, yes, next steps. But it's that yeah. first hump that Glenn that Glenn pointed out is how do you turn around and say what am I doing to attract this right now? Well, I think that that's a big part of it. And you know, there are a whole lot of people in the horse world. Uh, you know, there are a ton of horse trainers who write books and talk about their childhoods and will say that they had domineering parents or a domineering father. And, you know, if you grow up in this mentality of uh, a force, do it now and don't, don't complain, or you, you know what I mean, just that you know, domineering, I don't care what you think, you you just do it because I told you so. You know, if you grow up that way, you, you do kind of start to think there might be a kinder or a different way. And you might start to think, you know, I would rather invite uh, my horse to work with me than dominate him into it. Um, the challenge is, 
you know, that it's hard. You have to have a lot more trust and a lot more time and patience. But you know this, that that kind of unresolved feeling always comes out on your horse. They are mirrors to us, total mirrors. And um, again, they change direction pretty quick. I, I work with a lot of rescue horses, and they are horses who, I mean, really should just walk away from people and never have a thing to do with us again because of how we've treated them. And, you know, in the middle of this terrified experience, they will open their hearts and say, yeah, I'll come with you. I can do this. And, you know, that's the reason we should stick with it, with our training techniques, is because if abused horses can still tolerate us, then we should find the strength within us to continue to be the kind of, you know, horse person we want to be. But let's just wrap right there because I, I, I don't know how you're going to add anything to that. That was perfect. It's AnnaBlakeBlog.com. This article was done back in November 28th of 2014, but there's tons more on there. You can find all of her articles on there for the past, as she said, best five years. And then also there's a link on her blog to the book Stable Relation by Anna Blake. If you want to find that, it'll be uh, at Amazon and everywhere on Monday, July 13th, and we'll also have it um, a link to it on our show notes. Thank you so much, Anna, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Easy Signs Online is the official sign company of the Horse Radio Network. This week's product highlight are their personalized nameplates. Perfect for horse stalls, tack rooms, lockers, bedroom doors, dog kennels, or whatever you can think of. Choose from hundreds of online graphics to further customize the nameplates from EasySignsOnline.com. Made from one half inch thick solid PVC signboard, these colorful and unique one sided nameplates are three and a half inches by 16 inches and are designed for durability, long-term indoor or outdoor use. They are only $39.95 each, and remember, free shipping on most orders over $100. Visit them at EasySignsOnline.com. Well, coming up next, Helena, we have somebody you're going to like. She has an appy, and a very colorful appy. And she is also an endurance rider, and she is going to make her virgin run, her first run at the Tevis Cup coming up in California in, uh, here in a month. And if anybody's not familiar with the Tevis Cup, it is the toughest endurance ride in the United States. It is over mountains, through woods, streams, rivers. This is one tough endurance ride. Everybody has seen the picture of them climbing almost straight up on the rocks. Uh, and just there's some amazing pictures that comes out of the Tevis Cup. This is a very, very difficult ride, and she's doing it for the first time. Well, hi, Laura. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. We have to thank Ms. Uh, Stam for recommending you and saying, you got to talk to this girl. She's going to Tevis for the first time. And then when I found out you weren't on an Arab, I knew we had to have you on because you're not riding for the first time at the Tevis Cup 100 long, grueling miles on an Arab, are you? Well, technically he's half Arab, but he is also a full registered Appaloosa and Arab is one of the outcrosses that is allowed in the Appaloosa breed. He looks like an Appaloosa. <laughs> wow. He, I, he definitely does. I just learned something. I did not know that you could cross an Appy with an Arab and still have them full registered. 
Yeah, I think it's Arab um, thoroughbred and quarter horse is my understanding. Does that make of it course. a rappy? Makes total rappy. <laughs> makes total sense. It's a sense. new breed. It's an a rappy. I want an a rappy now. <laughs> what would we call a thoroughbred? Arappy, a tappy, a fappy. <laughs> so now, uh, that, how long have spots. you... That's a thoroughbred. <laughs> and then yours does have spots. It's very spotted. Uh, you yes, have what is. the Appaloosa people like in color. Yes. Well, so when he was born, I saw pictures of him as a baby. He was bay with a blanket and spots. But uh, he has roaned out, so now he looks like a leopard appy. He does. He's, oh. he's And he has the build of an appy, too, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He really does. So how did he's, you... he's a little bit lighter than most of like the thicker-bodied appies, which gives him, you know, his endurance edge. Yeah, he's very he's more refined. He's he's definitely lighter mm-hmm. boned. I have yeah. one of the heavier ones. <laughs> <laughs> My horse would go through the mountains instead of over them. <laughs> yeah, she's not riding a hundred miles tomorrow on her on her appy. Uh... <laughs> So, Laura, how'd you get into endurance, and what made you think that this appy could do it? Um, Well, I got into endurance. I, uh, my dressage instructor um, had a friend who was an endurance rider, and she just said, why don't you go ride with her? You need more saddle miles, and she's got a couple horses that need to be ridden. So I went and started riding with her. Her name's uh, Paula Rassler, and she's been my endurance mentor for the last couple of years. She was looking for a new young horse. A friend of ours had this little appy. He, uh, he was for sale, um, but he had issues. He likes to make lawn darts out of people. So had a habit of throwing people in the dirt is what you're saying. Oh, yes. He is quite spectacular at it. I think I've come off of him more than any other horse I've ever ridden. Um, <laughs> that makes you feel safe on a 100-mile ride. <laughs> Yeah, but he's he's gotten better. Um, so my friend was looking at him as her next endurance horse, and he ended up being given to her. And so between her, my dressage instructor, and myself, we started working him um, to get him to use himself better, to try to stop his proficiency at lawn darts and make him an endurance horse. Um, he had already done a couple rides before we got our hands on him. Nothing spectacular, but he did it. After, it was a couple of years that we were putting him into him to make him safe for my friend. One winter, he, we uh, spooked at a grouse, and my friend was riding with me. She saw him, her horse spooked, my horse spooked, and she watched him dump me. You know, I was a little unseated because of he's spooking at the grouse, and then he just dropped the shoulder and dropped me in the dirt. Yeah, <laughs> she was like, maybe this horse isn't what, or can't be fixed for me. I think that was kind of yeah, she had what we had decided. Yeah. This whole time, my goal had been to go to Tevis. I wanted to go to Tevis, so we were, everything we had done with him, we stopped trying to make him my friend's horse was to go to Tevis. And so it's been like four years with the final goal is being going to Tevis. And that is only, what, a month or two away? Yeah, August 1st. 
So you're a month away from the from what what everybody considers the most grueling endurance ride here in in the United States. And you said you did crew at Tevis before. So what mm-hmm. part of the ride concerns you the most with this particular horse, or you? Um, <laughs> maybe I, I should say... be asking the horse that question. Uh, yeah, maybe <laughs> I don't think he knows what he's in for. I mean. He well, loves and- endurance riding. He loves going, but you know it's like it's it's a tough ride, hands down. Um, we've done some tough rides, but there's nothing like Tevis. And you know, I've heard how tough it is, and I don't even know if I know just how tough it is without having actually done it yet. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, it does make sense. So you're both kind of you don't know what you're in for. Yeah, I have an idea, but I'm hoping it's not as bad as my idea. <laughs> what What is it about your horse that make, that made you say, that does give you a lot of confidence, that does make you want to bite down on this little adventure and go for it? You know, he really trusts me. He, as we, the longer that we've been riding together, the more that I've been doing with him, the more I realized that I'm what he draws his confidence from because on his own, he's not a confident pony, which is why he was dumping people. He would get out in front on a trail and go, Oh my God, I can't handle this. And just spook at something. And, you know, the person would come off and, um, I'd come off. Um, and, uh, but just the more riding him and getting out there the first couple times I took him on solo rides, he was just so terrified because he had to go out there by himself. And he just emotionally and his confidence, he couldn't handle it. And so we just walked and, you know, there was nothing exciting going on, but it was just so much mentally for him to be able to deal with. And now um, the last couple rides we did, we did a 50 last uh who was that october uh, foothills of the cascades um after the first 20 mile loop we went out in the lead and led the 50 mile ride until the end oh wow um and you know i going in i was like this horse is never going to be a first place horse he's never going to lead because he just doesn't have it in him and you know he proved me wrong and then at our last ride uh or no our last 50 the still memorial ride you know, a couple of people in front of us had problems going out and I asked him to go and he took the lead and he led for a while. And it's just like knowing that this horse now can stand on his own four feet and do this sport. And he loves it. He gets super competitive. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny because he used to be, you know, the one that follows behind the horse in front of him. He wouldn't try to pass. And now he's like, let me at him. Let me at him. You know, he's like, they're getting, they're getting ahead of me. Let me at him. And I'm like, no, you got to wait. Let me at him. <laughs> so, no, he loves his job. And, you know, he really trusts me. Well, how, how is it? Because endurance is so much about conditioning and so much about uh, stamina. And, and that's why the Arabs excel at it. How is he when you right. come into the vet checks? You know, is he, is he as good as the Arabs in the vet checks? Or Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, at the still memorial ride, the reason we kept going out in front, even if we didn't, if we weren't the first one to come in, there was a couple times we got passed before the vet checks. 
he uh, he pulls down the first horse. Hmm. So you know, it was it's really cool to see him um, just pulse down and be ready to go, and all the other horses are still standing there, getting sponged off and cooled down, and and help. We're going through the vet line, and we're just going to be the first one out. So you know, it's really exciting to see that. He's not only is like the conditioning that I'm doing with him working and helping him recover. It's he, he got it. He's not going to stay stressed when we come into the vet check and, you know, he's going to be ready to go eat, rest and relax and then continue on and do his job. Well, we wish you the best of luck. We know uh, a lot about Tevis. We've had a lot of the riders on that have uh, completed it and some of the top endurance riders in the world we've talked yeah. to so we know what you're up against and we really want to get you back after you do it will you will you join us then sure yeah well good luck we're going to be rooting for you i'll be watching oh, they have a little you. do they are they going to be doing a little tracker thing on the website again this year um that's my understanding so we're gonna i'll track we'll, you we'll follow along yeah, yeah we'll follow along now we won't be able to tell by the little tracker if he's made lawn dart out of you but uh let's hope yeah, not. Well. Let's, let's let's let's, <laughs> let's does it turn red or something if that happens? That... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's, you know, a rider ejection, you know. Well, it's not going to happen. We're not even going to think no, about it's that. Not. It's not. You're going to nope. stay on board. No problem. All right. Thank you, Laura. Appreciate it. Thank you. Good luck. Glenn the Geek here. The life of horse person is hard enough, and we all hate doing the required paperwork, and unfortunately, many of us never get around to it, and it just piles up on our desk. That is about to change thanks to the Equisketch Records app for your iPhone or iPad. My wife and I use it to track our horses, and we absolutely love this thing. Equisketch Records is the most thorough and complete equestrian records app on the market today. We love this app because you can track your farrier work, your dental, your Coggins, medicines, worming, and so much more. And you can get reminders on your device when all of these things are due. You'll never forget a worming or shots or farrier visit again. But it not only tracks your horse, you can also manage your horse shows, including individual events. You can manage riders, including lessons and memberships and so much more. And you can sync it between your iPhone and your iPad, and all of this for the price of a couple of cups of coffee from Starbucks. Search for Equisketch Records in the iOS App Store or go to equisketch.com. That's E-Q-U-I-S-K-E-T-C-H.com. Equisketch.com. Okay, Helena, we're going to start something new. And sometimes you can pick these, and sometimes I'll pick them. And sometimes there'll be things that I think are really cool, and sometimes I'll be going, "Uh, what? So uh, we're going to do both on this Kickstarter of the week. And what I'm going to do is look through Kickstarter, which I like doing. I just like going through there to see all the wacky things that are on there or the new cool things that are on there. And if anybody doesn't know, Kickstarter is a crowdfunding resource. It's one of the first ones that was out there. People go on there with usually products that they are trying to bring to market and they need the money to do it, startup money or whatever. And they'll bring it on here. And the, the difference between Kickstarter and some of the others is with Kickstarter, you set a goal and you have to reach that goal in the time allotted in order to take any money. So if oh, you don't okay. reach the goal, Indiegogo is the exact opposite. Whatever's pledged on Indiegogo, they get to keep. With Kickstarter, if there's a goal of, like the one I'm talking about today, the goal was $7,000. If they don't reach $7,000, they get no money from anybody. 
Wow. Okay. That's the reason I like Kickstarter is you're you're almost guaranteed to eventually get the product because they've got the money. With Indiegogo, if you're if it's a product and they only raise half the money, you know, you're you're gambling whether their ad product's ever going to be made or not. Right. But yet they still have your money. It's always a risk with these crowdfunding things that you're actually gonna get what they say. So uh, I looked through Kickstarter, and they have some horse things on there. Right now, I couldn't find anything interesting horsey. So I was looking through, and I came across something that I went, oh, my God, I have this problem. My weight goes up and down like a yo-yo, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm on the strict version of my Lyme diet, or I've, uh, you know, I'm on the mild section of time when I can be a little more liberal, and I'm on the strict version now, which means I've lost 15 pounds in the last six weeks, which means that I, I always have problems with belts. Either the belts are too long or they're too short. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I cannot seem to find a belt that will accomplish both my skinny self and my fat self. Okay. So I always have, you know, and when you get skinny, you know what the problem with the belt is, right? The problem is it hangs down. That little loopy thing hangs yeah. down, you know, yeah. it's, and it's like, oh, man, I look like a dork. So, um, well, uh, if you followed flirting with the world, you'd know what to do with your excess belt loopage. I found what to do with it. It's called the mag belt. And I want to see what you think. Let's listen to their little video, okay? Okay. So let's okay. take a listen. Go. Oops, sorry about that. <laughs> hey there, my name is Mike Sternoff. These are my friends <laughs> Devin O'Neill and Kyle Johnston. Our Kickstarter project is the Mag Belt, a magnetic belt that fits perfectly to your waistline. Here's how the belt works. There's a floating magnet and a fixed magnet. You put the belt around your waist, attach the floating magnet to the fixed magnet, that's about it. You can slide the floating magnet and adjust it to your waistline. So if you get super skinny or chunky monkey, it still fits great. The Mag Belt eliminates the problem of belt overhang, Frame if you have to trim, or the need to poke new holes. Okay, and it goes on from there, but you get the idea, right? I so, do. So there's a magnet in the belt part, and there's a magnet on the end of the belt. And when you slide it through this little belt loopy thing, and then you just pull it back, and the magnet tucks to the magnet, and then you don't have you don't have any holes in this belt. There's no holes. It, I think it's brilliant. Do you? I thought you'd think it was dorky. It's, it's, can you say the name of it again? Mag Belt. And I put a link in our show notes okay. there to, to it as well. Uh, and they wanted to raise $7,000 to get it off the ground because they were sewing them at their house. <laughs> and now they're, and these are cloth belts. They kind of remind me of belts you would see, um, you would see maybe at Gander Mountain or one of those on, on the hiking shorts. Okay. Um, kind of that kind of belt. And they come in, the buckles come in different colors. You can actually use it without the buckle. Uh, comes in different colors. You can add the buckle on. The buckles are kind of cool. They kind of have a metallic look. And they're made of aluminum, actually, the, the buckles. And, and they, they come in different colors. So they wanted to raise 7500 to actually get these to manufacturing. And they've raised 57000 Wow. With 16 days to go. 900 people have backed them. Including me, because I'm getting a belt. So um, I think they're kind of cool. Now uh, they look. They're. I don't know what what's the kind of material that is. It's kind of. Uh, it's Canvas. not leather. 
Canvas, canvas, yeah. yeah. It's like a canvas material, like you'd see on hiking shorts. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So it's a cotton canvas weave. Yep. Yep. So I kind of like that for around the farm and stuff here too. Uh, but you could, you know, you could wear these out. They come in tan, gray, green, and black, and then they have buckles that are gold, bronze, black, or silver. So you can actually mix and match your belt color with your buckle color. Uh, and I got one where I got, I did the level where I get two belts and two buckles. I, I, first of all, I love this thing and I, I want to get one for Buck because, you know, he just lost a lot of weight. and, and So he like, has the skinny and the chunky monkey thing too? <laughs> yeah, totally has the skinny and the chunky monkey thing too. And he even has one of those braided leather belts, which you don't need to put more holes I in. I do, but and, they break. Well, number, and also we have, I'm a, a horse person. That means we have a hole punch, a leather hole punch all the time. But, you know, it just, you don't want to be putting holes in everything. So I like the... I kind of like this. I just wish their belts were a little more stylish. I was afraid that's what you were going to say. They definitely look rustic. Uh, what's the word? Boy Scout. <laughs> they look Boy Scout, but like I like the they have that nice matte finished buckle, which is very simple. I love it. I love it. I would like them to see them make a woman's version. And of course, now I'm completely want to take over this company. But here's the thing that really got my attention. They they wanted. To raise seven thousand five hundred dollars, right? They they have fifty seven thousand pledged, right? And that's the, so you know you're pretty guaranteed to get your product. And they they're manufacturing in the United States, which is the other reason I wanted to support them because I'm just I'm, the more clothing I think we can see anything, the more anything I think we can see manufactured back here. I'm just for our future in the long term. I hate to get political, but I think the more we can see manufactured back here, when the world starts coming apart and we're actually doing our own manufacturing again, yeah, I'm going to yeah. be thrilled. Me too. So, Me too. Yeah. I'm so down with that. Awesome. So there you I, go. I'm, I'm a fan. I'm I'm a fan. We're going to put this link in our show notes at stablescoop.com, and I'll post a link to it also on our StableScoop Facebook page of our Kickstarter product of the week. So so take a look if you see ones that you like or just think are totally stupid. Uh, uh, we can do we can do them in future shows coming up. Or if you have suggestions as a listener, post in our Facebook page or drop us an email, and uh, we'll do that as well. Do you have time for a real quick list? Very quick. Yep. Okay. This was on Horse Nation. There are eight things equestrians probably shouldn't admit that you've done. Oh, okay. I want to see if if you've done these things, okay? Okay. So Mm -hmm. we're going to see if you'll admit that you've done these. And I think it's going to be yes for for all eight for you. All right. So this was written by, let's give him credit, uh, Kristen Kovach, who's, who's a terrific writer and actually has been on our morning show before. All right. We shall never admit that we have done the following. Touched manure or manure-soaked parts of the horse with our bare hands and then eaten lunch without washing our hands? Um, no, I have not. You have not done no. that? No. Oh, you haven't lived. Um, <laughs> how about this? We shall not admit that we have peed in the trailer or stall regularly. Oh, pfft. every day. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I think if you haven't done that, you're not a true horse person. Yeah. yeah. Sampled our horses, hay, grain, treats, or lick it, or flavored bit, or or Uncle Jimmy's, etc. We've every all day. done that. Yeah, we've all done that. Uh, got, all we, we go walk around Ada, and Jennifer's trying all the horse treats. <laughs> I know, I know. They're got, delicious. Gotten back on a horse despite injuries that most definitely required immediate medical attention. Yes, <laughs> well, with Helena, we know the answer to that. We don't need to even go any further with that one. Use the main comb on ourselves and the show sheen. 
Yes. I keep a bottle of Shoshin in my bathroom. With that mop of hair you have, you would I need know. it. <laughs> you have a lot of hair. Um, administered butte, banamine, any micro, uh, microbial or other equine drugs to ourselves? No. Yes, you have, because microbial, I think she's talking about like Uncle Jimmy's or any of the healthcare products too. Well, I no. put the, You don't put them on yourself? Oh, oh, like... I, like I, any not of the ingestibles. Anti, anti, not, not the ingestibles, ingestibles. but antifungals and all that stuff. The creams yeah. and lotions. Oh, God, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we use all those. I've never done butte. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. No. Where would, you have to eat butte, don't you? Yeah, you have to swallow it somehow. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't do butte. I know people who have. You could crush it up in your cereal like the horse. I would just be like, that stuff is like, you know, compounded for horse weights, yeah. man. You'd <laughs> knock your you'd ass right out. you like an eighth of the pill. <laughs> I know. How about showered in the wash stall with horse shampoo? Like a real shower? I guess. I've never done that. No, that's no. a good idea, though. Never done that. How about actually enjoyed cleaning a sheath? No. <laughs> you know what? I have. And you know why? Do we want to know? Yeah, because it really, you're just like, oh, my God, that must have been so uncomfortable. Don't you feel better now? Did you see the new report that was out last week about uh, about uh, how sheath cleaning may not be good for your horses and you probably shouldn't do it? I think anything to excess is not good, but yeah. there are plenty of occasions yeah, where... Yeah, probably if you're scrubbing it with a Brillo pad, it's not good. Or if you yeah. do it regularly. I mean, I check once a year, yeah. honestly, maybe twice a year, um, particularly after the summer. But My vet checks once a year. Yeah, it's not it's not really it's not me. It's good to check. And if you can clean it, but it's just like anything. Don't don't do don't do it too much. Right. And as Americans, sorry, people, but we do pretty much everything too much. Well, that came from Horse Nation, my favorite website. That was awesome. All that was right. a good one. Let's do another one next week. Okay, I'll keep looking on the lookout. I love Horse Nation. They're great. Okay. Well, uh, you can find Helena at... You can find me at flirtingwiththeworld.com. It's a lot of fun over there, and I've been spending way too much time blogging and putting up all kinds of really cool outfits. And she's quick. The before the show has even ended, she has posted the bag belt on Flirting With The World. Because so. I get excited. <laughs> it's super exciting. It's already there. Well, you can find all of our show notes at stablescoop.com, and you can also follow links, photos, or anything about our guests' books, like we talked about earlier, authors, their books, everything you can find at Stable com. Something we don't mention too often is if you're buying stuff on Amazon, and I know you are, I buy almost everything on Amazon. If you do, go to stablescoop.com and click on the Amazon link first. It doesn't cost you any extra, just one extra click, and we get a little bit of credit for that Clickety here at the Horse Radio Network. So please just remember to do that. And uh, many thanks to all of our different sponsors today. We thank Equisketch and Easy Signs Online, and of course, Flirting with the World. That's it for this week, Helena. That was plenty, but we'll be back next week with more. Until then, happy scooping. <laughs>